I'm Lippy. And I'm Grumpy. Together, we're Lippy and Grumpy do podcasting. In this episode, Fire Marshal Face-Off, House Hunting, Growing Teeth, Car Logos, Rhubarb and Exploding Switches. Now, Lippy, our episode last week with fire marshals and fleeing from burning buildings mm-hmm. seems to have caused a bit of um, bit of confusion it has it has but not so much of confusion just different opinions yes. let's put it that, that way so i was overjoyed on monday mm. to hear from orange marshal one in fact i did employ the smug face mm. <laughs> which doesn't work very well on a podcast but it works very well uh it doesn't work over the phone either does it mm. but i was very smug so Orange Marshal once said, I'm a fire marshal, and you are right. Lippy is wrong. It is the fire marshal's job to direct people out and check toilets, side offices, meeting rooms are empty, and they will be the last ones out. He does then say if people refuse to move, they will be left behind. Mm. So anyway, so I was very smug with that. Mm. And then yesterday, I think it was, we heard from the Screaming Tomato from Down Under. And he says... I was a fire marshal for five years. I was the first out. It was my job to lead people down the stairs to safety. Yeah. So, contrasting views. Who's right? The thing is, I feel like checking rooms and things is the actual fire brigade job. Like, they're dressed appropriately to be in a fire. Or not, like, in the fire, but, like, near a fire. Whereas as a fire marshal, you don't have the extensive training they have. I was literally in a lesson for three hours and then they were like, tick, you're a fire marshal. And I I don't think I would have the knowledge to like go and find people in a building and know that like, oh, there's smoke going this way. So the fire's that way. So don't go that way. I think you're overthinking it a little bit. Yeah. I'm not suggesting that people go and tackle a fire, mm. but generally you have a number of fire marshals on a floor so you have an area that you would look after so you just make sure that everybody's heard the fire yeah. bell and is going i mean what if you've got a colleague who's deaf That's they're not necessarily point. going to hear it so that to me is the job of the fire marshal mm. so if you know somebody's in a meeting room with a hearing problem then you go and get them yeah true i think it was slightly different for me because i work in a venue so like it, there was one office where everyone sat as a marshal Orange Marshal One's job is to attend to fires, so he's very well qualified mm. in, in this aspect. That's what and, I mean. Uh, he's, he's more qualified than I ever would be. Yes, I know, but that's not a qualification to be a fire marshal in an office, in, in my view. It's just knowing where who where your people are, and getting yeah. them out of the building, or just checking that they're all out. Anyway, so he he's done quite a bit of fire training, and he says he actually managed to put the test fire out <laughs> with a five-second spurt. <laughs> On the extinguisher, which really annoyed them because apparently it's quite difficult to light for some reason. (laughs) And I I have done many years ago, did some fire training. I think I was at BMW at the time. And uh, it took them ages to get the fire going. And he said, we're firemen, we put them stuff out. We're not very good at lighting them, which is good to hear. I wish I'd had a real Mm. fire. I was in the middle of London, though, and the hotel had burnt down like six months before that I was in, like the back half of the hotel. (laughs) oh dear (laughs) which is why they were having the fire training (laughs) 
Yeah, well, maybe that's why people leg it as soon as they think there's a fire. Yeah. So Orange Marshall 1 also says about fire he put out at Goodwood so a little while back. Mm-hmm. So it's a 1960s Jaguar that uh, came into the, the pits. He spotted the flames underneath, picked up the fire extinguisher, and as it rolled to a stop in the pit entrance, uh, he had the fire out in under 30 seconds. That's impressive. Very impressive. Mm-hmm. Not as impressive as the hole in the side of the engine block, apparently which had piston had exited mm. and uh, caused well, presumably the oil to catch fire. So very expensive day out, I would imagine, yeah, for that Jaguar that. owner. Uh, when we were talking about handbrakes last week, and yeah. I was telling the story of my friend and the driveway, there was something that bothered me about the railway line, and somebody got in touch to point out that there actually aren't any railway lines through Forestdale. So it wasn't the car wasn't balancing over the London to Brighton railway line, which is a bit of a relief. Mm. But there must have still been some sort of ditch, cutting or, yeah. or ditch the other side. Um, and obviously that was, gosh, 35 years ago that happened. So it, it's probably got a little bit muddled up in my head over those years. In case you're moving to Forestdale, there isn't a fast train line through the middle of it. We'll cross that off. <laughs> we won't go there. And also, we talked about the Boeing 777 in Denver a couple mm. of weeks ago. And apparently the engine cow that narrowly missed a house is up for sale on Craigslist. That's awesome. Which is pretty is awesome. It, was that just like a finder's keepers thing? Well, I don't know how that works. I would imagine it still belongs to the airline. Yeah, it just fell off, didn't it? It, it did fall off. And whether this is a spoof advert or not, I don't know. It's quite funny. But so what you would do with a, a cow, which is massive, it's not, not a small no. thing. I mean, you certainly couldn't hula hoop with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's for sure. Well, partly because it's broken. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, there's a fair bit of aluminium in there. You could probably recraft that into something awesome. quite funky. Mm. It does, doesn't it? You could, could do something quite... make a massive quite... swing out of it. You could. That would be quite something. Anyway, so if you're looking for a large engine cowling made from aluminium, then uh, head over to Craigslist or denver.craigslist.org and um, a mere $10,000, it will be yours. Yeah, cheap as chips, eh? Absolutely cheap as chips. So I had a bit of a experience at the dentist this week. Oh, no. Yes. But at so least you I've attended a... at the right time this time. I did this time, yes. So... Yes, I think we've talked about it before, this yes. odd lump I've got in my gum. So the dentist thinks it an infection through a crack in a tooth. Lovely. Now, this tooth I have spent a fortune on. It's got a ceramic onlay to replace a bit that broke off rather than a crown. It's the, the new modern way of doing it. And somehow I've managed to crack the other part of the tooth. Interesting. Yeah, not crack the onlay. Apparently that is not impossible, but I seem to have cracked the tooth. So... He reckons the infection has got in there, gone up the root. He said, well, what we need to do is a root cavity filling thing, yeah. which is, oh, I've had one before. It's it's not a pleasant way to spend an hour or so, but it's it's not the worst mm. way by any stretch of the imagination. So I go there on Monday morning, 8.15, sit down, and because of COVID, you now have to have this massive fan running. The dentist has got a face shield on, an N95 mask, so you can't communicate whatsoever. No. So... After 10 minutes of drilling and poking and prodding and and whatever it is that dentists do with bright lights and sharp, pointy things, he um, he turns it all off. He says, I'll be back in a minute. So he goes next door and then comes back. He says, oh, I just had a word with my colleague. He said, I can't find the root. He said, I've had a good old poke around. He said, and I can't find it. Part of the reason is the onlay 
is stopping me getting to that bit of tooth. Uh, but but what I don't want to do is drill it all out and then still not find it. So are you going to have to go and see a specialist? So he knows a chap in Woking, and his speciality for the last 30-odd years has been root canals. That's that's what he does. Interesting. And what was even more impressive, he says, and there'll be no charge for me today. Oh, because he couldn't do anything. Yeah, which that, I was surprised it, at. Yeah. Yeah, very surprised. It's normally like 60 quid just to book an appointment. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I think I've had one small filling. I think that was £150. Mm. This is no, why I haven't not. been to the dentist in about six years. The problem is, though, what you'll do is you'll wake up one morning going, ooh, that's, that hurts a bit. Mm. And then by six o'clock in the evening, you'll be in so much pain, you, you'll give anything yeah. for it to be removed. And a little bit now saves an awful lot of expense later. Yeah, true. So Although, you really should go. I really should go. I feel like what I should do, though, is just pay for, like, a good cleaning so that they aren't as judgmental when I first go because I'm, I'll be like, well, no, I know they're bad. Like, I, that's why I booked a cleaning. <laughs> well, they won't be judgmental. I mean, they'll, they'll look and see if there's any, any little holes in the tooth or any sign of decay. Yeah, true. I've got, definitely got plaque. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, they can do something about that, but that, you know, see, that causes a few problems. For our listeners, I am not a qualified dentist. <laughs> so... <laughs> So my advice would be to go and have a checkup. Yeah. Or just wait till I'm pregnant and then it'll be free again. It's only another like seven, eight years, maybe longer. They could have all fallen out by then. <laughs> and it's not completely free. You still have to pay, don't you? No, it's free. Oh, right. It's completely free. Uh, okay. They can do simple things, but when it comes yeah. to procedure, you can't have that done. You can't have like certain injections. So it's free because they can't actually do a lot. <laughs> No, I guess not. Certainly things that involve slightly odd chemicals mm. would be a big no-no. Anyway, I was talking about the uh, experience and the fun at the dentist with a colleague. and uh, He was telling me apparently s- scientists have been attempting to grow teeth. What? So Yeah. I, uh, Why? Well, because then you could grow one instead of having a plastic one. So you would simply pull out the dodgy tooth and, and grow a new one. Interesting. So, But teeth are very technically difficult, apparently, because there's lots of different substances. So you've got the enamel and dentin and the pulp. Weird. And they're growing them from stem cells, which frightens the life out of me, quite frankly. Mm. I can only imagine having some sort of thing put in your mouth that then takes over your whole body. Imagine your whole... Like, just... Like the chemicals slowly growing, you have like a tooth-shaped cheek. Well, that's a possibility. Or if you've watched too much Doctor Who or the Cybermen, then they just take over the whole mm. world. But I'm sure that's not their aim. Uh, I saw such a funny video the other day of a guy that went had really bad earaches, so went to the doctor, and the doctor looked in his ear and apparently was like oh like just made like a noise that you wouldn't want a doctor to make as he's like assessing something that's wrong with you he said uh he finished the exam and then said to the gentleman you're gonna need to go and see a specialist but i'm not quite sure what kind of specialist because you have a tooth growing in your ear what (laughs) yeah so he had in his ear canal there had just been a calcium buildup in his body and it had grown a tooth in his ear that was blocking half of his ear canal. But the, the doctor was like, I think you're going to have to go and see an ear expert and 
a dentist and like a an orthodontist to figure well, out a, a plan to get rid of it. So funny. That's, that's bizarre. I mean, that's one place you wouldn't want to grow an ear because when you put it in your mouth, it would taste horrible. <laughs> what, in your mouth? In you your mouth. Grow but, an ear in your mouth. There's a tooth in your ear. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that reminds me of a story of uh, my uh, two of my cousins who they must have been five or six at the time. And one came home from school and said, guess what I learned today? What's that? Stick your finger in your ear, give it a really good mince around, and then put it in your mouth. It tastes just like ice cream. <laughs> yeah, I've quite never trusted since. No. Oh, you actually did it? No, I didn't do oh, it. Oh, I was going to say. I was like, no, it was two of my cousins. Not... I didn't. Far too, far too clever for that. Like, I think I might have got my intelligence from mum then, if that's what you were doing as a child. <laughs> I'm also not that keen on ice cream. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Wasn't worth So it. you've had some fun and games this week oh. with house purchasing. Do, do you know what? I cried. It got me. I was so frustrated by the end of the day on... Oh, it was only happened yesterday. It was God. yesterday, yeah. It was yesterday. I got so frustrated. I was like, I just need to have a little cry. 10 minutes felt great afterwards. Um, but yeah, we had seen four houses over the weekend. One of them we loved, the rest were one of them shared a fence with a pub, and we were like, mm, that's just not going to end well. Even though they had been there for five years, and they were like, the landlord's really good at making sure there's no noise outside after 11 o'clock. And I'm like, I'm asleep at eight. Yeah. I don't want to be hearing in the summer when you want your windows open just wasn't going to work anyway so that was fine because we didn't really like it but then there was one which we we did really like and had really good potential and it was exactly where we wanted location wise the lady that showed us around was awful she just solidified my feeling of not liking estate agents (laughs) and was very much the first thing she said to us was like oh I don't need to sell the house it sells itself which was kind of true because we did love the house but she was just very dismissive until she found our found out what our situation was which we're very lucky to own the house we live in so we're not got a chain and we're we're quite lucky in the way that we can move but as soon as she found that out she was actually interested in us and was actually then suggesting ideas and actually was trying to sell it more whereas to start with she was just kind of like oh you're young you can't actually afford this like I'm just going to yeah. walk you round and you can yeah, look. Yeah, absolutely. And it was yes, very, you're wasting yeah. my time. Yeah, very yeah. much. And then at the end of the viewing, because we knew we liked it, I was asking all of the, like, well, we are interested. We might put an offer in. Like, do we need to rush an offer? Is there anything happening? Is there any other viewings? And she was very much like, no. I, she was like, I'm the only one that views like does viewings for this house. You were the only couple today. Um, there were a couple last week, but nobody's been in contact. Like, don't rush. You're fine. You can wait till Monday. We got home and we were like, no, we do really like it. After we'd seen our last house at 3.30. So it was half four. We rang. They were closed. So we left a voicemail. Then <laughs> we rang back at like nine o'clock as soon as they opened. Oh, I'm really sorry. That house actually had an offer accepted on Saturday. So disappointing. So, like, Just, it's so frustrating. Why didn't they feel the need to tell us that when we booked the appointment that the house had an offer on? Or that when it got offered on, someone? why did no one email the people viewing the house to be like, oh, yeah. there's an offer on the property? Like, you don't just it, don't say anything. So that was fun. 
Yes, I, I fortunately, I think some of the possibly the larger estate agent chains tend to do the minimum amount of work. Mm. And this estate agents are well known for being a bit snaky and a bit, mm. and we think they didn't say anything because if we did offer, then they can go to the seller and be like, oh, look, we've got you two offers. And kind of that mentality yeah. about it like oh we're doing really well like we've done really well for your house like if you didn't want this offer there is a second offer kind of vibe rather than a just be truthful and honest and you've sold the house so and i think also to some extent they wanted us to offer more than the other offer so that they then make more money odd estate agent story i have from when we were looking to move out of the house we're in still in now fortunately didn't move is we went into, we did, we'd obviously looked at a couple and we went into the estate agent's office on a Saturday afternoon. Mm. As you say, they seem to go home at four or earlier. So anyway, so we walked in there, can't see anybody, but we can hear an alarm going off. So like a burglar alarm. Mm. So, so we stood there a couple of minutes and thought, did we just trigger that when we walked in? And then we looked outside and the lights are flashing. So oh God. what do you do? So it went back in again. And it wasn't loud inside. So no. it wasn't as if there was an internal siren. So I thought, oh, the best thing to do is phone the police, isn't it? So I phoned the police and said, I've just broken into a estate agent. And they were, what? So well, I've just walked into this estate agent, which is empty. There's nobody here. But obviously the door, was yeah, the door was unlocked. Yeah, the door was locked. was unlocked. And I think the alarm's going off. There's all sorts of flashing lights outside. Um, what do I do? And I said, oh. Well, that's rather odd. Uh, we'll send somebody along, but um, we'll phone the key holder. Yeah, because I feel like if you just leave and then they check like CCTV and stuff, they actually will have thought you've broken in. Uh, this is before widespread wow. CCTV. So this was uh, early 2000s. Crazy. I would have said. Uh, yeah, it was a bit was a bit crazy, really. Um, so presumably somebody had left by the back door and not locked the front door. Yeah. Oh, God, they must have got a telling off. <laughs> well, you would have thought so, wouldn't you? But who mm. knows? Who knows? Well, hopefully it will smooth out and yeah. you'll find find the right house eventually. eventually. These things tend to happen for a reason. Mm. Yeah, that's what we... It's just... It's one of those things where you're like, don't get excited because it, they might not accept the offer. But when you reach the point where you want to offer, it's because you really like the house. So you, yeah. it's like you're never going to win in that situation. So we've just decided to go for the tactic of offer on houses we can't afford because we're less likely to get them, but we're also less likely to get excited. And then if they do offer, we've got a well nice house, well cheap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah so it's a solid technique. And if people that invest in property will do that. They'll go look at a load of houses mm. and just make daft offers and, and see what sticks. And don't forget the FBI book about negotiating. I know. Well... I try, but nobody wants to listen. Like, estate agents are so, like, money-grabbing. Although, saying that, I spoke to a lovely estate agent today, and I've never heard of them before. They're called Yop or Yopa. It rings a bell. It's Y-O-P-A. So lovely. Like, yeah. happy to chat. Well, I guess it is. it was a Tuesday afternoon, so they probably haven't got much on. But just really helpful and informative and just nice, you know? I felt like they actually respected my me as a person. <laughs> Jolly good. Yeah, it's great. Excellent. Well, look forward to hearing more about that. Yeah. Well, new stories next week because we've got four booked in this weekend too. Yes. Well, yes. Well, we'll revisit this again next mm. week. So I came across another digging article, but I decided not to uh, not to read it. 
I left it alone. Oh, you did, did you? Yes. You haven't gone down that rabbit hole again. I haven't gone down that rabbit hole. I've gone down another one. Oh, no. What have you gone down So this one... This one is a, is a website called visualcapitalist.com mm. and it's the it's a map of the world and it's got the top export for every country. Oh fun. And it's fascinating. It's really interesting. So what do you think the UK's top export is? Oh. Um I was surprised. Coffee? No, god no, no. Ignore that. That was a really stupid comment. <laughs> Yeah, that I was, was just a bit thinking, like, what do British people drink or eat a lot of? Or... Well, it's what they produce, not what they Yeah, consume. I realised that as I as it came out of my mouth. Filter, nippy filter. Oh, God. Um, what would we do a lot of exporting? We don't make a lot these days, do we? No, we do make quite a lot. Mm. And we make quite a lot of cars, so it turns out. Do we? Yeah, mm. that's our biggest export. Interesting. Interestingly, yeah. What is really worrying in many respects is how many countries' top export is oil-based. Whether it's crude oil or refined oil or something in between, or gas from oil. It'd be interesting to see, does it do it as a comparison over a certain amount of years? Because that would be interesting in like 10 years' time to look back and be like, well, look how like little oil is now compared to well oh no it's still going to be massively high absolutely massively high because it's not only cars that are fueled by fuel you know (laughs) oil's used in so much yeah uh, in terms of plastic and many other manufacturing Mm. it's it's going to take a very very long while before it's uh, it's all gone but i thought that was really very interesting so I'll, i'll share the link um and then you can have a, a wander, wander around there. It's slightly disappointing you can't drill down into the country. <laughs> which, uh, oh no, I've got another drilling thing in there. Yeah. That, was, <laughs> <laughs> that was a mistake. And I have a bit of a whinge. Oh, do you? Yes, I do, just a little bit. Okay. It's, it's to do with the PlayStation 4. Okay. Now, we bought, I think it was a PlayStation 3 donkeys years ago. One of the reasons was that you could play Blu-ray discs mm. on it. So, you'd have to buy a Blu-ray player. Now, this one should play Blu-ray and DVD. It doesn't seem to like DVDs. Um, we've been re-watching Frasier on DVD, which is, I think, possibly one of the funniest series You, you also say his name made. very strange. Well... Say it again. Frasier. It's Fraser. Oh, well, what a... <laughs> <laughs> so the, this, the box set of Mr. Crane, Dr. Mm. Crane. And uh, anyway, so you put it in there and it'll play one and then it'll just go, no, I'm not doing it anymore. So then you have to reject it. And the designer of the PS4, and it's a very odd design. It looks like the old IBM building on the South Bank. It's sort of this white wedge. There are no buttons on it. I cannot find the eject button. It's beside you can't eject it as far as I'm aware from the the pan set thing. Mm. So you just have to look like a a, a like fool trying to find. Rubbing the front. Yeah, basically, it's still not <laughs> finding it. And then waiting for your daughter to come in. So how do you eject? It? And then just get push that. What? There's nothing there. <laughs> so I'm hoping the PS5 has a either a obvious button mm. or some mechanism from the controller to eject. We've got an Xbox. And there's an obvious button on the Xbox. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm so bad with any kind of games console. Yes, I, I don't really know them. I know how to turn it on, put Now TV on, and turn it off again. Yeah. And that's about <laughs> it, to be honest. And a, another oddity I found this week, 
mm. having watched an advert for Peugeot, is that car brands seem to be changing their badges. And Kia started it at the beginning of the year, and they, they changed it to something really quite bizarre, I would have said. And um, they've said it's part of a wide-ranging rebranding exercise Strange. to take them out of the sort of the budget car market into something a bit more, as they say, aspirational. Interesting. It is very interesting. Uh, a friend of mine has a electric Kia, mm. and it is a fantastic car, I have to say. It is very well made. Quite like um, Kias. They're quite cute. Yeah, I mean, if you go back 20-odd oh, years, they were a bit cheap and not nasty, but they were cheap. They are made for a price. Mm. Um, that, that's clearly not the case. They're, I think, probably the Koreans are one of the best advancing car manufacturers in the world, to be honest. In yeah. terms of where they were 20 years ago and where they are now. So, uh, yeah, so that's interesting. And Peugeot as well, uh, they've changed their logo. So previously it had the whole of a lion on it. I don't know if you remember the old 306 we had. Oh, yeah, it had the little arms up. It was like that's rearing. Right. I do. So I do they, they've that. reduced that down to just the lion's head. And again, I think it's because of uh, their switch to electric cars. So it's sort of a defining mark in... Also, in, they like the to put the, the plug-in under their logo, don't they? Some do, some yeah, don't. Nice I was re- nice what was I looking at? Uh, it was a, oh, a uh, road test of the Audi, new Audi electric car, which is starts at 70-odd thousand pounds, <laughs> so it's not something I'm going to be buying anytime soon. And I have to say, I'm not a big Audi fan, as you know. I love an Audi. Um, and it, it looked fantastic. It looked really nice. Um, and it's based, it shares the same chassis as uh, the Porsche electric car. So it's, it's been well developed. Um, the batteries are very obviously very low. It's got a reasonable range, but it is a, it's a very nice looking car. Mm. But there's an awful lot of there to go wrong. You know, I know there isn't a, a motor going round, but there's all sorts of gadgets and, and yeah. things that you just think. It's too much. Well, the problem is, is that when the car gets later in life, mm. the cost of repairing it becomes ridiculous. So whereas for £2,000 you could buy a reasonable used car a few years ago, that's the cost of a screen on a you know, base model Audi. Yeah. So if the screen goes, then yeah, if it's worth less than £2,000, do you bother? Yeah. To be honest. Uh, interesting. I was, in fact, talking to a friend of mine today. We were talking about cars in France. and They tend to keep their cars a lot longer than we do. So the village where his dad had a house was full of old Peugeots. Mm, you do Citroën's. see a lot of older cars in France, I would agree with You that. do. I think you do on the continent. Well, you do certainly in France and Italy. Mm. When we were there a couple of years ago, there was a lot of old Fiat Pandas, which is sort of the car I'm hankering after. Yeah. Oh. An old Fiat Panda four by four, as loved by the ski instructors in France. <laughs> I would like to congratulate myself and any listeners that did not glaze over during that conversation about cars. Yeah, there's more to come. <laughs> oh no! There's <laughs> <laughs> definitely more to come. Go on then. In a bit. Oh, okay. Yeah, in a bit. So I had a a bit of a session at the allotment on Saturday. The weather was rather pleasant, uh, mm-hmm. mostly. It was a bit yes. a bit dull by the afternoon, so I moved the rhubarb, which I think I may have left a little bit too late, and uh, that's just started to sprout, so hopefully we'll get some of that soon. I love rhubarb. I'll be stealing yes. some of that. As soon as I'm allowed, however close I'm allowed to the house, I'm grabbing it and running. Well, it's, it's not at the house. Oh. oh, that's even better. I'm allowed to go to your allotment. 
Oh, do you know where it is? No, but I can find it. Oh, okay, jolly good. Yeah, well, you might end up stealing somebody else's. Oh, they wouldn't know it was me, so it's fine. They'll think it's you. <laughs> yes, that's very true. So having had problems with raspberry canes and pea canes and all sorts of canes falling over in the wind and what have you last year, I put some really big, heavy poles in for the raspberries this year. Mm. And I've got this metal wired system set up. So hopefully no drooping raspberries this year. Oh, interesting. But, uh, but we'll see. Um, I think we're due for a bit of rain, so it might, uh, might need to go and tamper the ground down again. Make sure the poles don't go flying pl- Well, yeah, it's all just pull together. So I might, I might put a little stick on the top. We'll see. Um, oh, yeah, and I planted a honeyberry, which is a very odd-shaped blueberry. Ooh. Looks more like a cocktail sausage than I a love blueberry. a blueberry. Yeah, with these, you don't have to pollinate. These, these are self-pollinating. Wait, so, so this is weird, okay? I've never pollinated our blueberry plant and every year, when I say every year, we've only had it for two years, <laughs> it's had so many blueberries on it. The first year we think it pollinated at the um, uh, garden centre because it was with all the other blueberry plants. But last year we definitely didn't put it near a blueberry well, plant. Well, possibly there's there's one nearby and a bee pollinated. Yeah. Or maybe it's, I don't know if you can get self-pollinating blueberries. Maybe. I mean, this honey blueberries definitely only need one of them. So. Uh, and I got a fig bush in as well, which oh, would be I interesting. Like yeah, but have you seen those videos about what lives inside of figs? No, and I don't want to. Yeah, maybe don't no. grow a fig plant. Well, I like figs. Yeah, but... Well, I'll make sure there's nothing not... in them. Yeah, just don't bite, like cut one rather than bite oh, into it. It's like it. lots of little ants. Oh, that'll be fine. No problem at all. Add a bit of protein. Yeah, but you have to constrain the roots, which I didn't realise. So I've, I've sort of lined a trench with some old tiles to stop the roots going too far. Mm. Well, my mum's got one, and this thing is enormous. It's just grown and grown and grown, and it started as a little twig from the garden centre. So, buoyed on by that uh, agricultural experience on Saturday, I then decided to take the window out of the Mazda because it won't go up and down okay. anymore. Well, it, well, you press the button and there's a clonk. I'm surprised um, it has a button. It's not just a windy thing. Yeah, well, wind up one will probably be better, actually. Um, and there's a very technical reason why the switch isn't very good. So I took that to pieces and little bits of metal flew everywhere, all, all over the desk. Um, oh, so I cleaned all that up and I looked at it and I thought, I can see how this goes back together. So mm. I've put the switch back together. It's untested yet. Oh, I managed okay. I was going to say. Because, yeah. Because you can't put the window down, it's very difficult to get the glass out. Um, but I did manage it after about an hour of swearing and cursing. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got two very greasy rods that I need to pop down to the workshop and test, see, uh, see if the motor's working all right. Because you press the button, it just clonks. So whether it was catching somewhere or because of the switch was all gunged up, whether that was stopping the voltage so uh, but you're glazing over so i'm gonna stop talking yawning about so much today <laughs> i've got a lack of oxygen i'm exhaling too much yes very very true well let me talk a bit more about uh, switches then the <laughs> the switch explosion reminded me of being a child and i was forever taking things to pieces mm. and uh, on one occasion i had a single decker bus with opening doors and if it had screws on it the screws came out basically because <laughs> i was desperate to see how the things worked what i wasn't very good at was putting it 
was putting it back together yeah. again. Obviously, my dad was, but that's the thing—you learn how to do it after a while, so you get the you get the hang of it. Mm. But uh, yeah, the, when the bits went everywhere, because I, mm. I thought five minutes before dinner is the perfect time oh, yeah. to take a switch to pieces. Hundred percent, by far. No point waiting for it afterwards. Do it beforehand. Yeah, when so, you're going to get yeah. mum shouting to you, being like, "Come on, dinner's getting cold." Yeah, but I got bits all over the place. <laughs> If I don't do it now, I won't remember where they went. <laughs> Quite, and I've stuck myself to something. <laughs> anyway, that's all the news I have. Clearly, you've uh, been far too busy looking at houses to do anything other than look at houses, really. Yeah, basically. Other than work and look at houses, that's all I, that's all I seem to be doing. I went yeah. for a really long walk, actually. That was nice, on Sunday in the sun. Mm. Oh, it was nice Sunday, wasn't it? Was great. Had the best time mm. ever. It's really fluffy. That's all I seem to be doing at the moment is looking at houses and going for walks. Better than being indoors all the time, I guess. That is very true. So, Lippy, have you had time to come up with a one of your top tips? Fortunately, it's not a Lippy brain top tip. But Those have been quite good. They they tend mostly. to be a bit more useful, I would say, than mm, that's debatable. Than the top tips that I find make me laugh. But because they make me laugh, then they're good top tips. Cause okay. Not all top tips need to be practical, I think, is the moral of the lippy top tip. <laughs> Before you marry someone, yes. make them use a computer with really slow internet to find out what they're really like. That actually is a really good that idea. That actually is a really good idea, isn't it? <laughs> You've not seen stress and frustration from someone until they're trying to click on something on a computer with no internet. <laughs> or to be honest, try and use the ITV hub on an old Amazon oh, Fire don't. Stick. It's so awful, isn't it? <laughs> we booked our uh, COVID jabs over the weekend Woo! as they opened up our age group. And uh, we booked at a, uh, in Crawley. Mm. And you have to put a little bit of detail in and then pick takes, dates and times and what have you. And when we got to the end, it said, one of your slots has been taken. Which was a bit annoying because A, it didn't tell you which slot and then B, you have to go through the whole thing again. So you go through the whole thing again and we managed to book exactly the same date and time. It was just yourself reserving the slot. Well, who knows? It would have been something. But that, that was fairly frustrating. And then again, that was something. Oh, we'll just do this before dinner. <laughs> thinking it's going to take you five minutes. And 20 minutes later, you're still faffing around trying to do it. So, yeah, anything computer related... Or trying to reject a DVD from a PlayStation 4. <laughs> it shows Either you a good, good temperament of the person. That's, that's very good. Or their need to phone somebody. Mm. I have a fun fact. Go on then. You know I like M&Ms. Yes. Do you know what the M and the M stand for? No, I actually don't. It stands for Mars and Murray. And these were the founders of M&M's called Forest Mars, which is an amazing name. It's such a, a cool name. name. Forest Mars. Absolutely superb. And Bruce Murray. That's a bit boring. <laughs> yeah. They apparently didn't get on very well. Oh. And Forest Mars leveraged Murray out of his 20% share in the company in 1949. So these have been around a long while. Yeah. Um, before M&M's became the Huge. best-selling suite in the US. Mm. And he was paid just $1 million for his share of the business that would shortly after be worth billions. My God, you would be fuming. Well, you would, but a million dollars in 1949 was a fair chunk of cash. Yeah, I guess he might have been doing other things and he could have had a lot more than a million dollars. 
he could have done if he'd hung on a bit, but maybe the angst wasn't worth it. That is true. It's not always yeah. worth it. Because 1949 would have been a very slow internet connection. So <laughs> so maybe it was proving a little bit too much for one of them. <laughs> That's it for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can help spread Lippy and Grumpy's view on life by leaving a review on your favourite podcast platform. If you're not sure how to leave a review, or if you download from Spotify, there's some help at lippyandgrumpy.uk slash review. And if you would like to get in touch, email podcast at lippyandgrumpy.uk. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. Goodbye. Goodbye.